You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Hope you guys are all doing great out there wherever you might be in Cougar Nation. Plenty to get to ahead on today's episode. We're going to have some guests join us on today's show, talking a little bit about Troy Warner. What are the chances that he can make the Los Angeles Rams roster this fall? We'll find out about that. Also going to be joined by the guys from Give Him Hell, Bring Him the Podcast. Jeff Hansen, Garrick McClintock, you know them, you love them. Well, they join me for a large conversation that we're going to break out into a few different days worth of audio. We'll talk about 2020 for the BYU football program with them, as well as little bit of a look ahead to what to expect as they move forward with Kalani Sitake and company down there in Provo. And of course, we'll continue our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, looking back at 1952 for the Cougars. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today in part by the Locked On Today podcast. It is a podcast that gets you up to speed on all the major news you need to know about in under 20 minutes. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. It is a fantastic addition, I think, to anybody podcast repertoire. I would encourage you guys to let Peter Bukowski make sure you guys are up to speed in under 20 minutes on the major sports news of the day. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun here on a hump day. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 26th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I hope you guys know who I am by now that have been longtime listeners. If you don't, though, and you're checking us out for the first time, hi, I'm Jake. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Some of you may know me as Yawk, my on-air persona with DJ and PK in the morning. But, man, it is a blast to be with you guys talking about BYU right here on the podcast every single day. If you haven't done so already, if you're new to the show, hit the that follow button wherever you're listening in from that way you guys will always be up to date on everything you need to know about the BYU football program basketball program and BYU news overall BYU sports news in particular and that's what we're aiming to do here every day is make sure you guys are always up to speed on everything about the Cougars you need to know about that way you guys are the smartest BYU fans in the room Getting going here on a Wednesday edition of the show. Let's talk a little bit about former Cougars in the pros. We did a podcast on Tuesday, and I had the guys on from Locked On Buccaneers to talk about the chances that Chris Wilcox will make the Bucks roster, of course, the defending Super Bowl champions. Well, I've reached out to the other NFL hosts here on the network to get their assessment of these former Cougars and their chances of making their respective rosters. I was joined by Sosa Kermengis from the Locked On Rams podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Troy Warner joined the team as an undrafted free agent after the draft completed last month and had a chance to ask Sosa, well, Sosa, what are the chances that Troy Warner can make the active roster this season for the Los Angeles Rams? And this is what Sosa had to say. It's Sosa Kermenges, your host of the Locked on Rams podcast. And one of the more intriguing positions on the Rams roster going into this season, in my opinion, is the safety spot. The Rams have had a ton of good players develop at this position over the last handful of years and now with former star John Johnson departing in free agency that obviously does open up another hole 
as a potential starting spot there for the Rams in the secondary. Now, talking about that safety spot, the Rams have done a very good job addressing their needs there, drafting a lot of players, guys like Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, Terrell Burgess, all three players who have stepped up at some point in their career. But there are a handful of other names that could very well factor into this position. And one of the more intriguing ones, in my opinion, is undrafted free agent, from this 2021 NFL draft class, Troy Warner. And that name may sound a bit familiar. And there's a reason because his brother, Fred, does play in the NFC West as well. Although for a divisional rival in the San Francisco 49ers, one of the best linebackers in the sport. Now, talking about Warner, he was a five-year player at BYU coming out of the Cougars program there. And a guy that had Pretty good tape, in my opinion. Now, you know, you look at the PFF numbers, the in-depth statistics. Last year, had a pretty good PFF overall grade in coverage. 337 snaps, the most out of any player on that defense in coverage. Allowed only 12 receptions on 24 total targets. 50% completion rate, that is not bad for a safety. 135 total yards receiving allowed in this past season. Again, that's obviously not a ton. Only one single touchdown and eight first downs. So clearly a guy that does have some capabilities in coverage. He had two interceptions of his own and one more forced incompletion and only allowed a 46.4 passer rating in his coverage. That is obviously a tremendous mark for any guy that is ever going to be in a coverage position. Now, he does have some big shoes to fill, I guess, if, you know, he does ultimately make the roster. And there is going to be a lot of competition at that spot. We mentioned the aforementioned three names in Fuller, Rapp, and Burgess. But the Rams have done a very good job at finding safeties either late in the draft, guys that are undrafted. You look at certain names like Nick Scott, who the Rams really like on special teams and did factor in as an actual defender last season towards the end of the year there. And he's also going to have to fight for playing time or a potential spot on the 53-man roster with another undrafted free agent, another safety who a lot of people actually thought was a good player coming into this draft in Paris Ford. So there's going to be plenty of competition at this spot. As we know, competition always breeds the best players. Now, is there a good opportunity for Warner to make the 53-man roster? Maybe not so much. You know, there are, in my opinion, four solidified safeties on this roster. We've obviously dropped them by name. There may be a fifth player in a guy like Juju Hughes, who also was called up to the 53-man roster last season, late in the season after some injuries occurred. So, the Rams look like they have their four, maybe five safeties kind of locked in as of right now, but that doesn't mean that he cannot make the practice squad. That would be a great slotting for a guy like Warner if he can ultimately show enough throughout these OTAs, which the Rams have begun throughout training camp, maybe even the preseason, you know, that he can actually play in this league. He can make a few plays on the ball. He can obviously pick up the scheme, the defense, get guys aligned, all that good stuff. If he can show off some of these things, I could definitely see the Rams stashing him on the practice squad going into the season and ultimately giving him another shot to make the 53-man roster either late throughout the season by way of injuries or going into the next season. Thanks to Sosa for taking the time. It was a blast to get his take on Troy Warner. And hey, I think there's an opportunity there for Troy if he comes and improves what he can do. But obviously, he's got the odds stacked against him. And we'll see how it all shakes out. But 
All you can ask for is a chance when it comes to professional football. And as Sosa also talked about the fact that Troy Warner, he's got family in the NFL. Fred Warner just up the road up there in San Francisco or Santa Clara to be specific, playing for the 49ers. So best of luck to Troy as he seeks to make that active roster. And of course, we'll be rooting him on. And once again, a big thank you to Sosa Kermenjus for joining us. If you guys do have interest in these NFL podcasts, if it's the team that you're interested in, whether it's the Rams, I'm a 49ers fan. Across the entirety of the NFL, there's a daily podcast just like ours for that NFL team, and you guys should check them out if you haven't done so already. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we will have some other special guests on the show. The guys from Give em Hell Brigham, Jeff Hansen, Garrett McClintock, had a great chance to speak with them. A much bigger conversation. We're going to cut down into some smaller segments over the next few podcasts. We'll talk about 2020 for BYU in the context of what we can learn from that season as the Cougars look towards 2021 and beyond. We'll get to that conversation here in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. Guys, I cannot recommend to you enough that you give Built Bars a chance. I love these protein bars. They are the best tasting protein bars I have ever had, and I mean that sincerely. The best part about them, they've got multiple different different flavor options, both nut and non-nut flavors. You like fruit flavors, whatever it might be, Built Bar has an answer for you guys. Some of my favorites include Cherry Barcia, Raspberry. I'm a fruit guy. I absolutely love it. But in addition to that, I'm a big fan of the peanut butter brownie, very much a chocolate and peanut butter flavor to that one, as well as coconut almond, folks. Give them a shot. They have nine base flavors as well as limited time runs that if you don't take advantage of when they come out, well, they sell out very, very quickly. So get over to BuiltBar.com, check them out. They're high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories, the perfect complement for anybody's diet when you're looking for a healthy option that tastes, and I mean absolutely incredible, it tastes like a candy bar, folks. Give them a shot. Right now at BuiltBar.com, you can save 15% off your next order by using the promo code LOCKED15. You heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Take advantage of it now. That's promo code LOCKED15. 15 at BuiltBar.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, friends, I was joined by two very special friends of my own, guys that I listen to every single week. The Give Em Hell Brigham podcast it is part of CougarSportsInsider.com. Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock do a great job, and they love to chop it up. They are great dudes, fun dudes to hang out with, and I had almost an hour-long conversation with them earlier this week to talk a lot of different topics in BYU sports. And because of the time constraints of this podcast, we are going to cut them up into some smaller segments is what we'll we'll go for and let you guys kind of hear different parts of it. And eventually, I'm going to release the entire podcast as a special edition. You'll be able to hear the entirety of the conversation that we had on our feed. But in the meantime, I had a chance to catch up with Jeff and Garrett, and I asked them a very simple question, and Garrett will answer here first. What were your takeaways from the 2020 football season for BYU? Oh, uh, that team was really good, and I don't care what their schedule was. They could have played with anybody in the country. When I say anybody in the country, I mean anybody except for Alabama, because that's, you know, it's own thing. But it's, you know, you look at anyone who is in the top 10, and I think they could have hung with them. Like we saw, you know, how it came down to the wire with Cincinnati and Georgia and that, I guess, what was that, the Peach Bowl mm-hmm. um, on New Year's Day. And I think BYU could have been with Georgia right there every step of the way. You know, I don't think that they would have, you know, gone and rolled through that. I think even the one loss, you know, where we came up one yard short from an undefeated season, if that game gets played, 
10 times in the situation that it is, it's probably we win eight out of the 10 and they got the one. If it's played on a normal full week of prep, I think we win nine or 10 out of the 10 or even or if it's in Provo on such short notice like that, then we win that game easily as well. So I think it really, that was one of the all time teams and it, that team, despite the schedule, which I mean, if you be honest, go back to the Glorious, that five year stretch from like 90 or six year stretch from 79 to 85. Last year's schedule was no different than any, any of those years in terms of opponent toughness. And, but you look at just how they dominated on, for the most part, on both sides of the ball, week in and week out. And it, you know, it was an all time team that deserves to be up there with 83, 85, 96, you know, 2006 is one of those best teams in Cougar history. I would agree. Jeff, what what were your takeaways from 2020? Man, I was just glad to have football. Like you, you look at, I imagine being a Utah fan last year and how miserable, like that just like the games were fun when they played, but it felt like spring games against like the high school down the road. Like it just didn't feel the same. Utah state was kind of its, its own situation. It was similar to Utah, but somehow even worse because of all of the off the field stuff. Man, I was just so so happy to have football. Like they, they could have got Owen an eleven and I wouldn't have cared because it was just football week in, week out that you could look forward to, you could count on, give yourself something to do during a crappy time in the world. And uh, there were a lot of teams that didn't get to do that week in, week out for a full football season and BYU did. So my biggest takeaway was just a huge kudos to, to Tom Homo and the crew for making that happen. Yeah, and to build on that just a little bit, Jeff, I, so I married into a family that, funny enough, they're all from Southern California, but they've got strong Nebraska Cornhusker roots. It's a long, Weird. convoluted story. That's very strange. Went from Lincoln to Thousand Oaks, California, and have been there ever since, and just... It, much deeper story than we have time for on this podcast, but I was talking with uh, my, so it's my uncle-in-law, I guess is the way you would term it. He's a huge uh, Cornhusker fan, just diehard, wears red as much as he possibly can, all that stuff. And we were talking about this, this is probably a few months back, and he said, you know what the thing is? I really enjoyed watching BYU because you guys played every single week. I didn't know if Nebraska was going to play. I didn't know what was going to happen with the Big Ten for a long time there. And he obviously has a cursory interest in BYU due to my affiliation with him and me doing what I do in sports media. And he he acknowledged that fact. He's like, the fact that I could rely on the fact that I knew that BYU was playing weekly really, I think, helped me get through that fall. He said it, it was a really crappy time in the world. We were holed up here in California. I know that Utah, you guys were holed up, but we were even to a higher degree down here in Southern California. And he really, really enjoyed the fact that BYU was playing every single week. Yeah, you know, there's a, a very real argument to be made, and I have no idea how you would quantify this or actually verify, you know, any of my assumptions. Uh, but I think that this is maybe the first year since, I mean, I guess you could maybe argue 2009, but I would say 2001 that BYU gained fans throughout the year, right? Like they, they gained the fan base grew outside of the traditional Mormon household. And I think this is the first time in 20 years that you could say that, that BYU picked up some of those, those fans along the way that, you know, they're not going to go out and, and, bang down the door of the Edwards stadium to get season tickets, but they're going to tune in. They're going to consider themselves. Hey, yeah, I like watching BYU play. Those dudes are good. Zach Wilson's great. This is the first year. I think that's happened in 20 years since Luke Staley was running all over the place. And uh, that's a win. I mean, that's a huge win for obviously on the field, BYU played well, but off the field and the kind of macro level of BYU athletics, that's a huge win for the department that really has needed it for a long time. 
so that that's the biggest I think I think takeaway out of last year that really doesn't get talked about very much, but it was a it was a big big deal. I think I'm interested to see going forward. I mean, obviously, it depends on the quarterback play and if the we stink it up on the field then those fans are gonna it's gonna be a one season thing but if we can string a couple decent seasons together here it'll be interesting to see what those late night kicks because a lot of those fans especially the people on the east coast it's like you know they're looking for a nightcap and you know sometimes maybe hawaii's on or there's like pac 12 after dark whatever but it's you know if i think it's something that we, especially with the style of offense uh, that the sta- current staff has put together, it's something that's very entertaining to watch as a fan. Like it's not ugly football by any means, and so because it is different and it's you know high flying and wide open, it's pretty easy to get into and kind of passively root for as an outside fan. Yeah, those quote unquote special seasons they don't come along very often, and you, you gotta you gotta capitalize on them obviously. And that I've I've been talking about this on Locked On Cougars about the fact that yes, maybe the, maybe 2020 is going to be a little bit of an anomaly where they did have that 11 wins, but you look ahead and we'll talk about 2021 here in a moment where maybe if they have 8 or 9 wins, it's probably just as good of a season, but the fact that you had the double digit win mark, you had the 11 wins, it really changes the whole perception, it feels like. Do you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, just you got to be ranked. I mean, that's what it is, right? A college football fan. Everybody has their team. Uh, and we, we talk about this a ton on our show that I don't think most BYU and Utah fans are college football fans. They're BYU fans or they're Utah fans. Yeah. But a college football fan, they typically care, well, I mean, obviously about the top 25 on any given year, but those teams that are consistently there. So you could probably say the top 35, top 40 programs across the country are largely the same with a few outliers each year, but it's largely those same 40 programs each and every year, BYU's got to be one of those. They don't have to be in the top 10. They don't have to be in the top five, but you got to be in the top 40. So where you're nationally relevant each and every year, and you will continue to grow that fan base. That's what BYU was last year, right? They, they saw the hype that comes with being a top 25 team all year round. Now, if BYU can come out 2021 and beat Arizona by two touchdowns and, and break the streak against Utah, they're going to be ranked again, and now BYU is on that same track. Whether they're ranked number 25, whether they fall out of the rankings and they're just others being mentioned, others receiving votes, uh, that's the same kind of momentum that, that BYU will have had all of this last 2020 season. So to me, that's the barometer, right? They've got to just maintain that, uh, that be, maintain relevancy on a weekly basis. And as they do that, that doesn't necessarily mean competing for uh, a new year six bit. That just means being relevant. And uh, they showed that they could do that last year. BYU saw the benefits. And I just hope that the program as a whole sees that and realizes, Oh, Hey, this was fun. Let's invest in the program so that we can do this more often. There you go, Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock from give them help, Brigham the podcast or the give them help, Brigham podcast. And guys, If you're not listening to that podcast in addition to this one, add it to your listening. They do more of a weekly format. They've just accomplished a one-year mark on their podcast journey, and that's a massive milestone for most podcast folks. Very few podcasts make it that long, and I got to give these guys credit. They went through one of the worst years in terms of starting a podcast you could probably imagine when it comes to COVID-19 and the like, but they have thrived. They've done a great job with Give Them Help Brigham, and I cannot encourage you guys enough to go check out their work. You can follow Jeff at 
Rakuto10, R-A-K-O-T-O-10, and also Garrett McClintock at G.J. McClintock on Twitter. Also follow them, give them Hell Pod for their podcast feed on social media as well. So check them out. And like I said, we'll have more of the conversation we had with them. And I really echo what Jeff finished off with there is the fact that BYU, yes, they need to kind of invest and be able to recreate the type of seasons that they had in 2020 more often, if at all possible. I also am not holding my breath that you're going to see massive influxes of cash going into the BYU football program, but a guy can dream, right? And I think we'll have some fun with this. We'll continue to have these conversations, pull parts from this podcast episode that we did. It was almost an hour long. Like I said, a very long, lengthy conversation. We'll pull from these over the next few days. You guys will be able to hear from both Garrett and Jeff as they break down BYU in only the way that they can. They have some very unique perspectives, and I loved having them on the show. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll wrap up the show by looking back at 1952 in BYU football history. What happened this year? How did the Cougars fare on the gridiron? We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Of course, baseball season is underway, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. If you have interest in UFC, MMA, golf action, they've got it all for you guys over at Bet Online. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. You can find them at betonline.ag. Check out all the great sporting news they have for the sports that you're interested in. Check out all the different bonuses they're always offering. It feels like they've got five or six at any given time. And also make sure to check out all the different contests they're running as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to and in the playoffs. Obviously, we're in the middle of the NBA and NHL playoffs. Take advantage of the information you can get there and maybe make some cheddar on the side. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today for free and also make sure to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. You heard that right. A 50% welcome bonus. All that you need to do when you get to betonline.ag is deposit that money and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you get 50% of whatever you deposit added in as free money, courtesy of BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, before we go here on a Wednesday, of course, we need to look back in BYU football history, the record books, and look back at another year in BYU football history. Let's talk about 1952 for the BYU football program. We've been doing this for the better part of two months now, and it will continue throughout the summer as we get ready for the upcoming 2021 season. It's crazy to think, folks, by the way, 101 days away from today, BYU will be lining it up between the 50s or whatever you want to call it, between the hash marks and getting ready for a kickoff against Arizona. It's crazy to think it's that far away, but also so close as well. Looking forward to that. But let's talk about the 1952 football program for the Cougars. This was a season, folks, that started out with a lot of promise. And BYU is actually pretty highly thought of, if you read their media guide, that they were thought to be a team that could potentially being the top half of the Skyline Football Conference. The conference now had eight teams in it. We talked about yesterday how both Montana as well as New Mexico had joined the conference the year previous. 
Well, BYU started out the year, like I mentioned, with very, very promising results. They opened the year against San Diego Navy, which was a military team of guys serving or getting ready to go over into the Korean conflict. Obviously, it was still ongoing. That did not end until 1953. They beat San Diego Navy 14-7, followed that up a week later with a victory over New Mexico, a hard-fought win 14-10 at Cougar Stadium in Provo, then went to Montana to Dornblazer Field in Missoula and won that game pretty handily 28-7. They went in with a lot of confidence into their matchup at Utah in Ute Stadium on October 11th, and according to BYU's Banyan, the Cougars were thought to be the favorite in this game. I would quibble with that considering BYU, to this point, as we've talked about, only has one win and I believe four ties to their credit against the Utes, and well... The Utes did exactly what they did. They stomped BYU 34-6, sent them on their way. BYU did bounce back from that with a narrow win over Denver 14-13 the following week. But then November came, and it was bad, bad, bad for BYU the rest of the year. They opened the month of November with a home game against Wyoming on November 1st, lost that game 24-13, then had four straight road games. First at San Jose State in San Jose, California at Spartan Stadium, getting smoked 44-27 narrowly losing to Utah State 27-26 in Romney Stadium in Logan, then going to Colorado A&M, a.k.a. Colorado State in modern day, losing 27-6, and then getting absolutely crushed by Arizona State in Goodwin Stadium in Tempe on November 29th, 47-6. So this season that started out with a lot of promise, BYU sitting at 4-1 at the outset of November, suddenly they're 4-6. They went 3-4 in the conference. That was good enough for fifth place uh, behind Utah, who won the conference title with a 5-0 record. New Mexico, funny enough, would have probably tied or even won the conference had BYU not beaten them in the early part of the year, finished 5-1. Colorado A&M, Five and two, Wyoming four and three, and then the Cougars tied with Utah State at three and four in the conference, so tied for fifth place. But a disappointing year considering how it started for the Cougars in 1952. Now, some of you probably are wondering, okay, as we talked about yesterday, I had a request to talk about what's been going on in the world around these events for the BYU football program. So, in 1952, around the United States of America. Obviously, the backdrop was still the Korean War, the Korean conflict ongoing overseas. Many young men being drafted into the service or enlisting to go over to that, and BYU was not accepted from that. There were guys that went over and served in that conflict, so shortly after World War II, still very fresh memories of that. But notes to take away from 1952 included the New York Yankees going back-to-back, beating the Brooklyn Dodgers four games to three to win their 15th World Series title. The Yankees, an absolutely dominant team through many, many years, and in this case, the 1950s, absolutely getting it done. Other major moments of this era in 1952 included on January 14, 1952, the Today Show premiered on NBC and has been running to the modern day. It is one of the longest-running television series in America. I think it started back in 1952. It's been going over in 2021. What would that make it? 70 years old next year? Absolutely incredible. Been a very long run. A lot of different people going through that program, but it continues to be a staple for many, many people in the mornings, and it started in 1952. 
Other notes for you guys from 1952 around the United States included the polio epidemic that broke out in 1952. And this is a very, very sad story, but also has one of a triumph of medical science. Well, there were nearly 58,000 cases of polio reported in the United States this year. It just absolutely ravaged the country. Uh, Over 3,000 people would end up dying. 21,000 plus are left with mild to disabling paralysis from this. As I mentioned, it ends up being a story that is one of kind of the modern miracles, obviously, with the polio vaccine that's developed in relatively quick time. It's kind of got parallels to what we've dealt with with COVID-19, Operation Warp Speed to get the vaccination in place for that. But man, it's just an awful awful situation uh, with that polio outbreak. And then one other note I wanted, oh, actually two other notes to pass along to you guys, that in November of 1952, Operation Ivy, the United States successfully detonated the first hydrogen bomb, codenamed Ivy Mike, at the Enewetok Atoll in the Marshall Islands in the Central Pacific Ocean, had a yield of 10.4 megatons pretty big bomb there. And then three days later, on November 4th, 1952, United States presidential election went down. Republican candidate Dwight D. Eisenhower defeated Democratic candidate, uh, the governor of Illinois, Adlai Stevenson, to win the presidency. And obviously, Ike went on to have an eight-year run as the president of the United States. And obviously, did some very good things. The interstate system is a big part of what his tenure as United States president came about I-15. If you live here along the Wasatch Front, well, you can thank Ike for that. All right, so there you go. What you guys need to know about 1952. We'll talk about 1953 for BYU tomorrow. Uh, Chick Atkinson, man, a lot of different things about him. His promise as a coach, it seemed like just untapped and really thought you'd, he'd break through at some point. Well, maybe 1953 is the year. And we'll talk about that ahead on tomorrow's podcast. And that is going to do it for today's show. A big thank you once again to Sosa Kermengis, as well as Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock for joining me today. We'll have more from Garrett and Jeff over the coming days as well, as well as other Locked On NFL hosts from right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, giving us their insights on these former Cougars and their chances to make their respective rosters in the NFL. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked On Cougars. Email us anytime, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address for this show, and I hope you guys are all having a great day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 20. 26, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.